Are you sick and tired of ads? Well, this is an ad telling you that you don't need to listen to ads. Stitcher Premium has some of your favorite shows ad-free, like The Joe Rogan Experience, My Favorite Murder, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and the Marvel original, Wolverine the Long Night. It also includes early access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Go to stitcherpremium.com and upgrade your account for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Plus, sign up and use our offer code, CAPED, at checkout and get your first month for free. That's CAPED, C-A-P-E-D, for your first month free. Stitcher Premium. It's like Stitcher, but premium. This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Ooh, weird. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is the show that does every episode with bras on our head that's true everyone we do it for we're superstitious it's been 90 episodes of of bras on head that's right and uh <laughs> you didn't even know until today I had no idea and it, it took until today's film 1985's weird science weird directed science. by the john hughes the john hughes for us to tell you our secret about uh, our show. Yeah. little peek behind the curtain, if you will. That's how the sauce is made. Our bras on our head. There it is. Just like stars of this movie, Anthony Michael Hall, yep. Elon Mitchell Smith, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> That's a guy. And Robert Russler. I had to look up that name. Robert R- Russler. The yep, other that's guy. It. <laughs> he's, he's been in things. Yeah. He's an actor. From the 80s. Weird science. Weird science. Have you seen this before? I have never seen this movie before. All right. This is my first time. What do you, what do you what a thoughts? trip. What do you got? What a trip. Uh, I feel like this is a, a movie that if you grew up with it, you love it. And if you didn't. And if you didn't, you're not going to like it. All right. <laughs> have you ever seen it? I've seen parts of it. I've never seen the whole thing straight through. Okay. And I agree with you completely. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird one, especially because John Hughes at this point is more or less just encapsulating the mid 80s yeah. in film. Oh yeah. <laughs> in teen angst films. 100%. And within the span of 15 months, he bangs out 16 candles, The Breakfast Club, and this weird science. And then after this, he goes off and does Ferris Bueller. Yeah. What? Unreal. And after that he does Planes, Trains and Automobiles. What? <laughs> and before this, he writes National Lampoon's Vacation. What? What? Yeah. Also he wrote Mr. Mom. He sure did. He wrote three of the vacation movies, and then he did Home Alone, Baby's Day Out, Flubber. Yeah, he's completely crushed it throughout his shortened life. Yeah, like Baby's Day Out. he died of a heart attack in 2009. 2009? I think it was 2009. That sounds right. Let's go with that. Sure. John Hughes, we're going to talk about a little later. We'll get into that. Yeah. This film. Let's get into this film. This is a movie, if I've ever seen one. This is a movie. Weird science. I have a soft spot in my soul for movie theme songs that say the name of the movie in them. Or just like general 80s theme songery. Now, let me ask you this, because Oingo like, Boingo did the theme song for this movie. They Weird sure did. Science. Oingo Boingo. Of course, the lead singer of Oingo Boingo. is Danny fucking Elfman. It sure is. Does that make the your heart just like Grinchful yeah. at that level? Yeah, three times its normal size, but like in a good way. Yeah. Not like a medically unsafe Problematic. Way. Yeah. The Grinch, his heart. That would be the only thing <laughs> not problematic about this movie. I want to do something a little different Ooh, this week. I, have, I found a synopsis online that I just wanted to read because it's 
it, it really gives you a, a glimpse at what this movie yeah. is about. Are you calling this a new segment? It could. It has the potential. A, this is a pre-movie segment. This is a rarity. This has the potential to be its own segment. What are you going to name it? Um, what the actual fuck is this synopsis? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read this to you word for word. Wish me luck. Does it have typos and whatnot, like an Amazon one-star review? Actually, there's no typos. I feel like I should like have a cigar or something like that so I can go pull it out and go, dear God. <laughs> like that type of reaction? So through this show, I've become very familiar with the site Fandom, where different people can set up their own wiki of whatever they're a fan of. Sure. And I stumbled across an entry for weird science on the pop culture fandom. Okay. And it appears to have been Google translated from German or something. Oh, this is the so, best. So here we go. This is the, my favorite thing that's ever happened, and it hasn't even happened yet. The social little popular Gary Wallace, Friends, and Wyatt Donnelly life itself by a lack of real female <laughs> attention together out on their computers. They figure out a program in which they themselves can make a virtual woman. They make their fantasy complete by in a play adorned with brassiers, bras, on their heads, and a Barbie doll to a kind of modern power cord to play Dr. Frankenstein's. Dr. Frankenstein's? <laughs> at the time that their game at an altitude point saved the what? lightning what? in. What? This turns out to be the woman of their dreams, indeed to life inexplicably have come in the form of Lisa. She learns both Gary and Wyatt, if unwillingly itself with some much more confidence to present to the world, and in the meantime, against Wyatt's macho brother Chet to guard. This is bananas. That's it. That's the whole That's thing. That's the whole thing. That's the synopsis. Holy crap. So that should give you a good idea what this movie's about. Well, Google Translate is is uh, underrated, to put it real <laughs> lightly. <laughs> what? What just happened? I just told you the, the premise of the movie. Oh, my God. Was it not clear? It was crystal clear. <laughs> Let's just get into the movie, then. Please. We're in Shermer, Illinois. We sure are, because it is a John Hughes film. It is. They won't let you forget it. Nope. Two nerdy social outcasts, Gary and Wyatt. Now, you said nerdy social outcasts. Yeah. Is that, like, elongated form of horny? Is that what it is? I think I think the synon they're synonymous, yeah. Okay. Had to make sure. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. I had to check. I wasn't sure. This is Anthony Michael Hall and Elon Mitchell Smith. Anthony Michael Hall and John Hughes were a bit of a power couple back yeah. in the mid-80s. It's a weird way to phrase it, but yeah, you're not wrong. Well, that's why they call him Anthony Michael Hughes or- An John Michael Hall? That's the I, That could work too. I don't know. They're all the same. Huel. They just call him Huel. <laughs> Huel. These two nerds are fantasizing with the girls in their gym class, and they're publicly humiliated by Ian and Max, Robert Downey Jr., and Robert Rustler. Right. Robert Downey Jr. is just as annoying younger than he is he's older. so much more <laughs> annoying. <laughs> he's, uh, he's acting, to oh, put it real lightly. Yeah, he's, he's acting. He has not figured out the trade of acting yet. No. No, he has not. They publicly humiliate these two nerds after they overhear them swooning over their girlfriends, Hilly and Deb. Those are names. 80s were a funny time. Hilly. Hilly. Is it short for Hillary? Yep. Are you sure? Nope. <laughs> you know, they pants them in gym class. As you do. So awkward. As bullies do. Bully's going to bully. That's what they say. So then they're alone for the weekend in Wyatt's house because his parents are gone. And you said house like it was just a normal sized house. Oh, no. It's a, it's a mansion. And hey- don't make a mess. My maid doesn't come till Monday. Yep. That's the douchiest thing that's ever been uttered on film. Oh, my God. The boys are watching the 1931 classic Frankenstein. Colorized. Yep. Which, that's how you know it's a rich kid. That's how you know. Got He's the got color the colorized version. version. 
Inspiration strikes Gary. He wants to create a virtual woman using Wyatt's computer so they can simulate talking to girls. Right. Uh, it's weird because I, I can totally relate. Every single time I've watched James Whale's 1931 version of Frankenstein, yep. I have to cross my legs I'm like, to keep it down. Man, you know what? This guy's onto something. Put a pillow on my lap because I'm watching the 1931 James Whale's Frankenstein. Whew. And it, in color? Did it just get hot in here? Forget it. <laughs> I'll turn that screen black and white again. I will. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Yes. Gross. Yes. <laughs> it feels appropriate for this movie to yeah, go there. Absolutely. Because absolutely. this does. film needs to take a shower at oh, all yeah. times. Yeah. So, so and the they boys... will, which is great. So right. we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. We're almost there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, time-wise, we're a way off. But like plot-wise, it's right around the corner. They infuse this virtual woman with all sorts of stuff to make her the dream girl like they scan a picture of albert einstein which means she's smart that's how that's science, how science works. works weirdly that's how science works <laughs> uh they they hook up some electrodes to a barbie they wear bras in their heads like us and then they hack into a government computer system well, for more they power. hack into the government computer because gary anthony michael hall gets really pissed off at wyatt that his computer's not powerful enough to create life right right he's like come on man what hack into the government what? <laughs> He's probably the only kid around who has a computer. You're probably right. But, God, it's not fast enough to sit. And he gets real pissed off at Gary because he's like, don't, that was my birthday present. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they hack into the, the government, which gives them more power, apparently. That's how that works. That's how the government works. Gives you more power. And it causes a huge it. power surge and massive thunderstorms and all sorts of wacky shenanigans with, like, physics and stuff. With, like, dogs on ceilings. Yeah. Dogs and cats playing together. Yeah. <laughs> What is this world? It's it's wild. It's weird. Things are going wonky. I didn't Science. know the government's computers were so powerful. They are very, very powerful. Did you know that if you type in the right code, you could start building walls? But unfortunately, someone's not taking an IQ test. They're taking a fucking dementia test and bragging about it. I did very good on the dementia test, okay? I knew it was an elephant. I knew it the whole time. I was going to start naming things around the room. <laughs> you know, uh, man, woman, camera, TV. Oh, those are the five words that he had to memorize. They weren't, though. They were just examples. He was just listing things so you're he was saying looking that at in the Our interview. president went full out brick Tamlin. Yes. To prove a point. Yes. There's no way that those were, were the words. We're not a the political test. show. This is more of a mental health issue at this point. <laughs> just concerned. Because as we've learned, that there's a government computer that can fix this. Right. There's a government computer that can change physics. So. This is interesting. Yeah. I wonder if he knows. Somebody probably told him. And he remembered those words. But it could be that uh, it was Elon Mitchell Smith, the actor. Yeah. It was his actual computer they brought from home, but he destroyed it when he became a, mm. a medieval professor at Cal Arts or wherever it is now because he quit acting for real. Really? Elon Mitchell Smith, the co star of this movie, quit acting. How soon after this? Not terribly long after this. Okay. To, because he wanted to become an academic and he wanted to study the medieval times. Oh. Medieval English, and now he's a professor. He's like, I don't need to know anything about the future. I lived that already in weird science. It's true. But now he has a computer that can save the world. Computer. TV. Man. Woman. Podcast. Pussy. Oh, shit. That was one of the five words, right? <laughs> and then they told me to say the words again later, and they didn't tell me the were going to ask. them by the pussy. Five words. Memorized it. Got it. Nailed it. Nobody puts five words together better than I do. Grab them by the pussy. All of that wackiness somehow creates a woman. Yep. Kelly LeBrock. Yep. 
This woman is a beautiful, intelligent, magical, and willing to do whatever these two 15-year-old boys tell her to do. Gross. Yeah. Um, Gross. It's not good. She claims that that uh, they own her. Yeah. That she's their property. That's a problem. And it makes it's me not... question John Hughes in so many ways. <laughs> so many ways. So many ways. Ew. Yeah, it's not good. I felt I felt like I needed to shower as soon as everything started happening here. I was like, things get worse. Oh boy, Brian, things get much much worse, don't they? So the first thing they decide they need to do naturally, they need to take a shower with her. They do, and she's getting all oiled up she's and lathered up, and lathered up. Yeah, and having and a great time, and and the boys are just watching her, just real horny watching her. Yeah, but they're wearing their pants. It's yep. funny. Do you get it? I don't. Do you get it? They're they're wearing pants. Nope. 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 <laughs> what is happening here? So she's all like, you guys got to loosen up. How? By not wearing pants in the shower, I guess. They can't loosen up because then it becomes statutory rape. Right. But they own her. Oh, dear. This whole movie is a problem. Uh, Yeah. No, it's a giant problem. Is it statutory rape if the woman's just an object, John Hughes? Is that how it works? Let's ask him. Give him a so, second. He's got to talk from six feet under. Gotcha, Give him a second. Gotcha. Should I get that? Should I get out Roger's uh, Ouija board? <laughs> the, the John. Oh God! Why is he going to? I wish I was a teen boy fucking everything in the world. <laughs> because that's John Hughes. Oh, oh wait! It's it's spelling out. Why did my best friend hook up with our teacher instead of me? <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> he's got some deep seated issues. That ghost. We're gonna get to that ghost <laughs> after we talk about this movie. Yeah. So this woman conjures up a pink Cadillac convertible and takes the boys out to a bar. She uses her powers to manipulate people into thinking that they're 21. Yep. Oh, they name her Lisa in the car? They named her Lisa because it's a reference to the Apple computer. Right. Because nerds. With, uh, with the, the GUI. The that's, first, that's the right. first Apple GUI. That's right. Which, what an appropriate thing to call something that's in this movie. Yes. Yes. Hey, quick question for you. Yeah. So, so far we've gotten real weird kind of... Creepy teen rapey vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want a little bit of casual racism? I feel like- Or a lot of bit of casual racism? How about we just drop the casual and go straight racism? Okay. We don't need an adjective on it. I like it. No, I think- I I don't like it, but I like that you got the answer right. I just feel like we need some variety. Fair enough. So we'll have some classic (laughs) 1980s racist fun at the bar. I can't wait. Take me there. Gary is inebriated. He is hammered. And he is- I believe in airplane they would call it speaking jive. So this scene came about because apparently John Hughes and Anthony Michael Hall would hang out because <sighs> of I, I don't think there was that much of an age difference. No, that's not true. Anthony Michael Hall is playing down to his age. Yeah, he's older. Yeah, Elon Mitchell Smith is not. He, he is, is playing up. He is playing up. He's fourteen. He's playing a year up. But Anthony Michael Hall and John Hughes would watch Richard Pryor like stand up sure. specials and whatnot. And there was a character that Richard Pryor did. I don't know the name of it. And that's what Anthony Michael Hall is mimicking. <laughs> and it's real uncomfortable Ooh. because there are fewer people whiter than Anthony Michael Hall. Very few. It'd be like if Sean Muldowney did it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like the list is Sean, Michael Sarah, and then it's Anthony Michael Hall. Right, exactly. And then and then after him is Rick Astley. Of course. <laughs> so casual racism. Nope, full-blown racism. This Go. is just straight up racist. Um, And then they just, they leave the bar after just... Eventually, like the the patrons like them because I guess they consider him <laughs> one of them, which is just unless Lisa's playing mind games, which Jedi is mind possible. That's the thing she can do. Yep, I'm glad she has a name now because that first scene was hard to get through. <laughs> you did great. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> For what it's worth, she's more or less playing a. There's not so much Banks children in this, except there's horny teenagers. Yeah, so she's not Mary Poppins. She's Mary Pussins. Right. 
It's funny that you say that, and you'll find out later. Really? Why. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> okay. we'll get there. Way down the road, we'll get there. Oh, I, I can wait, actually. <laughs> so they get back home, just drunk, and they happen upon Chet. Bill Paxton. Bill fucking Paxton. Bill Paxton. Yeah. Is in this movie. He's Wyatt's mean older brother who's home from military school to watch Wyatt while his parents are away. He's got a flat top haircut that he didn't tell John Hughes about, which is awesome. It's so great. And that's amazing that he didn't tell him about it. I like that Anthony Michael Hall says, like, look at his hair. Anybody with hair like that is an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) For as much hate as we're throwing at this movie, there are some kind of funny things. Oh, yeah. Because, again, Bill Paxton's ripping on these two for not being like doing anything. For being for 15 exactly. and being out late and drunk. And he says, you guys couldn't get laid in a morgue, which is just a really funny line. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill Paxton. It's Bill Paxton. He's here. Good to see him alive again. I forgot he about that. He kicked in 2017. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. What is this world? He said, I'm going to go outside and play kick the can with all my friends. And then he ended up kicking the bucket instead. It's an easy mistake to make. Cans and buckets are both very similarly shaped. You're right. The cans were earlier in this film. When they were trying to increase the boobage. Right. Those kind of cans. Those kind of cans. Got it. So Bill Paxton is going to extort money from his little brother to buy his silence because, you know, they're misbehaving. That's those little miscreants. Do? Yeah. I mean, I know my younger siblings always used to have to pay me off so I wouldn't rip on from the From the trust fund. The old family, the Betts family trust fund. (laughs) (laughs) That's the funniest joke you've ever told in this podcast. He's like offering him just whatever he can think of. It's just crazy. Like, you can have. But I always like how Chet is like, oh, okay. $127 cash in my wallet. By 7 a.m. Yeah. Where's he going to get that at this time? He didn't get home until like 2 in the morning and you yelled at him for coming out, coming back late. But now he's got five hours to get you money. I like how we're both dancing around what's about to come up. It makes me happy to know that we I'm, feel the I'm same way. I'm trying not to. Because what's about to come up. It's the grossest thing I've ever seen. It's on uh, film. It's very And I've seen human centipede. I've watched yeah. people's mouths get sewn onto other people's assholes. Mm. And then yep. people feeding and then the eating and, and then the shitting and then the eating and the shitting and then the eating and the shitting. And then just the shitting. And at the, the eating and the shitting. And, and this is grosser than that. This is cringy. This is cringy. This is yeah. Yeah. This is no, but it's funny. This is guys. dinner party. Guys, it's funny. Scott's tots level of cringe, <laughs> except for different reasons. Because there, you're cringing at a made up scenario, and here you're cringing at the reality of the situation yeah. behind the made up scenario. You know, I want to set the scene on this one. Okay. So Wyatt, yeah, the boy whose mansion this he he lives yes, in. This is his mansion. He goes outside on like this balcony. And, and Lisa comes up and says, Wyatt, because she's all British or whatever. I forgot and, to and, say that she's British. Right. Yes. And she's, Wyatt goes, where are you? And she just goes, I'm behind you. She's literally she waits creepily so long. And then she's standing like, behind. Oh, boy. I'm right behind you. So he turns around and she just leans in and they start making out. <clears throat> this is a 25-year-old Kelly LeBrock. Yes. Making out with a 14-year-old. Elon Mitchell Smith. He's going to go on to become a medieval English professor, but his bank bank is filled for life. Life. The ultimate deposit has been made. She once said, um, it would be a lot like in the first Harry Potter movie or book or whatever medium you want to call it. When he goes down to Gringotts and he finds out parents are dead. I'm rich as fuck though. (laughs) That's how big this spank bank (laughs) deposit is. Made it very visual. Thank you. I needed that. 
it's what I'm here for, to paint a picture for our dear listeners. Kelly LeBrock said in a Comic-Con interview that during this scene... She should have been arrested for rape. Yeah. Elon Mitchell Smith got a little carried away and stuck his tongue down her throat. Well... And then after for, oh. after the <laughs> yeah. shot, she was like, if you ever do that again, I will kick your ass. And he went, if I ever do that again, He's I'm like, still hooking up with Playboy Playmate Kelly LeBrock uh, yeah, or I, whatever she is. Whatever she is. Because saying actress Kelly LeBrock is real fucking liberal. <laughs> oh, I need to shower. I need a break. <laughs> this is. Ugh. It's a lot like whenever you see those clips on YouTube of like, oh, we made the biggest pizza in the world. Yeah. Or whatever. And you see them pouring. All this sauce on the giant pizza. Just imagine that that sauce is a deposit into Elon Mitchell Smith's spank bank. Okay, I've pictured it. There you go. It's the biggest pizza of all time, but it's spank bank deposits. Like a deposit slip. Just a lot of zeros. So many zeros. So many zeros. So the next day, because I really need to move on from this scene It's a lot like the scene in Spaceballs when they jam the radar. And you see the actual jam hit the radar and it starts gooing down. See now, but instead of jam, it's a deposit in the spank bank. Now I'm, uh, I'm not sure why is the spank bank liquid? Because sperm, right? But that's that's generally a withdrawal from the spank bank, not a deposit. A deposit is the memory, the f- the, the fantasy, You're right. the the material in which to You're spank. Absolutely right. Or of which you know words. I tried to get medieval with it, like like, like Elon, he would, but. <laughs> I should have just said it like a normal fucking sentence instead we of We should say that Elon Mitchell Smith, it's a good thing he retired from acting because he was never going to make it. <laughs> he, he wasn't very good, was he? No. <laughs> no. It, it's funny because his voice naturally, and it made me laugh throughout this, is our good buddy Kyle Collins. <laughs> and our good buddy Ben Caruth. Ben does a good impression. You've heard Kyle on here Aye! before. Hey! 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 And that is Elon Mitchell Smith's actual voice in this movie. It is Great. It is, yeah, and it changes pitch so often. It does. Like sometimes, sometimes he's talking like this. I'm like, why are you doing that? Oh boy. Anyway, the next day, it's like if no, no, nope, nothing. No, the next day, <laughs> it's the 80s, so they go to the mall. Let's go to the, the mall. mall. Thank you, Robin Sparkles. Max and Ian find the boys. The Downey and the other guy. Yeah, Downey, Downey, and what's his face? And they're like, hey, got this sweet icy here in my hand. I'm gonna dump it on their heads. Carry style. Carrie style. Kind of. Glee style, but like that came later. Right. So yeah, they, they dump an icy out on the nerds and a whole bunch of people are like, ha ha ha. Their girlfriends are like, these guys are immature, but we can't break up with them because then how will we go to parties? <laughs> I like how the one's like, we don't go to parties anymore. Like, that's not why you keep a man. This is- John Hughes. Like, oh boy. Wow. Wow. Uh, so Lisa is also at the mall because obviously, and Ian and Max see her and they're like, Oh, hey, let's follow her around. Not well, weird at all. For what it's worth, she gives them a little wink. She gives them the fuck eyes. She looks at them. She Suggestively. She glances at them passing them on the escalator. So they Kids on the fucking escalator. jump over to the other side and run up the escalator. And they follow her through the mall. And finally, they reach her, like the exit. And she's like, oh, hey, having a party tonight. You should come to Wyatt's house. You should house. come to Wyatt's house. What are you doing? Waiting for my ride. Wyatt's like... I'm having a party? What is, what is going well, on? Well, because they pull up in a Porsche that she has conjured. Right, obviously. From her, she's got- From her Mary Pussin's brain. Brain conjuring Porsche powers. Yep. This is the second vehicle she's conjured. It will not be the last. It will not be the last. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, that's her main superpowers, conjuring vehicles. Yes. But yeah, they, they pull up, and now all of a sudden, Max and Ian are like, what the hell is going on with this? And it's a, actually a damn good question. 
It is a damn good question. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back to Wyatt's house, and Wyatt's like, we can't have a party. This is insane. But Lisa's like, no, we're having a party. You guys got to loosen up. That's like her whole mantra. Is, it is you guys got to loosen up. But first, she's like, I want to go meet Gary's parents. For, for reasons, reasons. Unknown. So they go to Gary's house, and she meets his parents, Al and Lucy. They need to loosen up. They definitely need to loosen up. But at the same time, I get where they're coming from. I mean, she does tell them that their son is tossing off in the bathroom. Yeah. And also, well, this would be like a lot if you had a parent-teacher conference, and the yeah. teacher's like, also, I want to fuck your son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In front That's... of the parents. And the parents are like, what the hell is going on? No, he can't go to this party with you. And she's like- Oh no, they're going to the he's going to the party with me. That's that's happening. That's correct. She's not even like convincing about it. She's just telling them, trying yeah. to use her Mary Pussins power to get in the brain. I don't I don't know how I feel about the phrase Mary Pussins. I'm just saying what John Hughes wanted to say. I don't like it. That's though. it. I'm not not a fan of that one. I don't have to tell you. John Hughes is inside me right now. Gross. You said you were combing your hair. The mother's hysterical. She is. The dad's hysterical too. Oh my These god. These parents are great. They're they're phenomenal. Lisa eventually just pulls a gun on them. As you do. She's like, hey, we're going to the party. And they're like, please don't shoot me. <laughs> Go to the party. Go to the party. But then also she men and blacks them. Or at least the dad. Oh, she men and blacks both of them. She wipes their, their memories. Gary's mom forgets all about the whole conflict. And Gary's dad forgets about Gary. Right. <laughs> Entirely. He has no idea who his son is for the rest of the movie. And that is a wonderful gag. I love it. I really, really like that gag. As they're driving to the party, she pulls the gun on Gary, and she shoots him, but it's okay because it's a squirt gun. Yep. It was a squirt gun the whole, the whole time. time. Hysterical. What the hell is Lisa doing in this movie? She's trying to get him to loosen up, I, oh I guess. Okay. I don't. Well, the thing is, they want to loosen up. They don't know how. She's there to help them. I don't-, I don't... She's like a, Do you think there's a... depth here? I don't no, know. No, no. Johnny Depth. Not in this movie. <laughs> Back at Wyatt's house, a bunch of people show up for the party, all at the same time. You're saying a bunch of people, like it's just a crowd, like a small oh, gathering. Oh, it's like like hundreds of people. You cannot walk are... inside this mansion anymore because of how many people are in this oh, mansion. I'm, they're not even in the mansion yet. They're in, outside the front door, and they open the door, and they're all there at once. And they go, hi, in unison, and it's bizarre. <laughs> and then, yes, they're inside, and it's bananas. It's insane. Like, it's a big house, but it's still too many people. Like, right. Fire Marshal would be very disappointed. He'd be very upset. Come, come on, guys. This is not capacity. Was it Fire Marshal Bill? Sure. That's a Jim Curry, right? The Fire Marshal Bill? That's a Jim Curry. Why are you doing Hugh Grant? I'm not. I did an American <laughs> accent that time. Oh, but all I could see was teeth. That's right. It's the same thing. <laughs> so the, the party spins out of control, obviously, and Gary and Wyatt have to hide in the bathroom because, you know, sin secure. Deb and Hilly show up in the bathroom because that's a thing that has to happen. Hold on. Yeah. I can't let you push past this. What am I pushing past? That... Gary and Wyatt aren't just hiding in the bathroom. Wyatt's tummy is really upset about all of this. Yes. And he's taking a shit. A giant shit. While Gary's just walking. Just hanging out in the bathroom. He's kind of pacing and talking to him. Yeah, these two are very close. They're very close. It's weird. It is weird. Well, I mean, they're dating the same older woman, so. They're not. They're not, <laughs> because Gary has done nothing with his older woman, and Wyatt has. We also forgot the part where the next morning. Oh, he wakes up wearing her underwear? Right after the hookup? Yeah. How Wyatt wakes up the- Medieval professor now wakes up wearing her panties, and Chet calls him out on that, and that's why he had to pay up. A, he had to movie. pay Chet more money, yeah, because this is a movie. It's weird because it's like John Hughes is definitely creepy. 
Yeah. He's definitely creepy. But this is a weird thing of like reversing a gender norm, if you will, where usually the girl's going to wake up and the guy's like boxers or his dress shirt or whatever. Mm -hmm. And here you have the guy wearing the panties. Like, I appreciate the reversal of the gender gender norm. It's unnecessary. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's it's especially because- Because he's 15. He's, yeah. He's 15. And also, the movie's going to go on and claim that they didn't do anything. She's like, oh, you fell asleep while I was doing gymnastics. Then why the hell did he wake up wearing your underwear? Right. Uh, Oh, boy. So many questions that I actually don't want answers to. I don't want any of these answered. (laughs) So, yeah, they're in the bathroom. Wyatt's taking a big old dump. And then Deb and Hilly show up at the door. It's a bathroom party. It's a whole bathroom party. And they're like, you know, Gary keeps slamming the door on them. For way too long. And the gag runs out real fast. So quick. And then Wyatt comes up and he's holding like a match. He's got a candle in his hand. Because the poop smell. Trying to get rid of the poop smell. Because Deb and Hilly are trying to get into the bathroom. And the four of them awkwardly hang out in a bathroom. Yep, and then high school parties, and then these they, these oh, two nerds boy. go into the shower to talk to each other for like that's not Steven Stifler so fucking badly to show up in a movie. How in the world is this a movie where Stifler would make it better? Have you watched this movie? No, I'm I'm agreeing with you, <laughs> okay. but in a disbelief kind of way. That's fair. Wow, even the Shermanator in Shermer, <laughs> Illinois. Oh wow, would have been better to pop up in this movie. Yeah, yeah. There's this movie is a classic for the 80s it is and i'm convinced people have never seen this movie before <laughs> i'm convinced i i don't think people have seen it since the 80s oh dear things the have, issues things have changed a lot in the last 35 years the times they are a horny exactly 35 years to the week how the hell did that happen yeah like if you're listening to this on the day it dropped yesterday yesterday was the the 35th anniversary 35th that's 35 how, anniversary. That's how people, that's how people say talk. words. Ah, <laughs> you know, this movie's taken a lot out of me. <laughs> As it should. Meanwhile, Wyatt's grandparents are out at dinner, and they're they're enjoying themselves, and they're like, hey, we should go swing by Wyatt's, because there's nothing a teenage boy loves more than a visit from his grandparents unexpectedly. I love these grandparents so much. Aren't they great? It's funny, because John Hughes is known for writing teenagers. That was his whole thing. How he wrote Ferris Bueller. He wrote all the the kids in detention in The Breakfast Club. Right. Molly Ringwald was considered his muse throughout this entire period. But I think he writes adults better than anybody. That's crazy to me. Well, I think it's because he's writing them from a view of Of a child. Uh, Exactly. Of this authority figure. They're more cartoonish than anything. Yeah. And it lands so well every time. Because these grandparents are amazing. They're phenomenal. Especially the grandmother. Her face is so interesting. <laughs> Her face is, is my favorite part of this movie. It honestly reminded me of Charles Fleischer, the guy who played Roger Rabbit yeah. off screen, looks similar to this older woman, and they're both just living cartoons. What more could you ask for? No child rape would be great. Yeah, no, you're right. You could ask for that. That'd be great. It's a solid ask. I didn't think I was reaching too far with that one. No, not at all. So they show up at the party, and and Lisa is like, who are you? Get out of here. And they're like, who are you? This is our daughter's house. And she's like, oh, I'm the one who's fucking your grandson. (laughs) So then she freezes them and puts them in the cupboard. Yep. uh, Oh, boy. (laughs) It's amazing, though, because these two grandparent actors, they froze so well. They actually looked yeah. great yeah. holding that one crazy They did a really good job. Especially the grandmother. They could have easily used a still here. Nope, but they no, chose not to. They and didn't, it and it was so perfectly. So good. I love it because you get that subtle movement of like, oh, they're acting, and I love it. So Ian and Max, Robert Downey Jr. and famous, other, and famous actor other Robert Russler. 
That's right. his name. <laughs> they go to talk to Lisa, and she tells them that she can't do anything to betray Wyatt and Gary. They own her. Oh, boy. So they devise a plan to have Gary and Wyatt let them have a go at her. Their words, not mine. Yeah, correct. John Hughes' words. John Hughes' yours. words. Yeah. He wrote this. Uh, so they go up to, to Wyatt's bedroom, and they're like, hey. Sorry for dumping the fucking smoothie on you or whatever. We were dicks earlier. My bad. But we're cool now. Yeah. Hey, I have an idea. How about you can have our girlfriends if we can have a go at Lisa? And What's weirder? The <laughs> fact that it's not even that they say no respectfully, saying like, no, that's not how women work. It's that they say, no, can't do it. She's ours. <laughs> that's the. Re- oh, sorry. No, we own her. Oh, my God. It's like a baseball player getting traded yeah, here. But- it's like Moneyball, where you see <laughs> like Je- what, Jeremy Giambi about to be traded from the A's or whatever. Like, what's happening here? This is uh, this is how John Hughes sees women. Fact. We'll get there. Instead, Gary and Wyatt have a brilliant idea to create a second Lisa. Yeah. But this one will have bigger boobs. Because that's what one of them wants. One of the bullies wants. It think- doesn't matter. They're all the same. I'm pretty sure it's Robert Downey Jr. Fine. He's acting. He is so fucking annoying. I can't wait for him to get on that coke habit, go to jail, come out, and then start doing And then do like kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang's great. Yeah. The experiment seems to be working again. There's another power surge. There's more thunderstorms and all the stuff in the house. There's more bras on heads. There's more bras on heads. Exactly. All four of them have bras on heads. (laughs) And all the stuff in the house, including October 1982 Playboy centerfold Kim Malin, go flying through the chimney. Oh, boy. Okay, so- 1982 Centerfold is playing the piano. Yes. And then she keeps playing while everything's happening. It's like the Titanic. It's like the Titanic. Ship, oh, Titanic yeah. Absolutely. The band She's like, I'm just going to play I'm gonna keep this playing out. through this. But then the piano gets sucked up through the chimney, goes <laughs> flying out, and it gets shot out the chimney, and it lands, and it breaks a gazebo. It's pretty cool. Special it is effect. very cool. Fine. But then as she's hanging onto a pillar of the home, her clothes fall off. Yes. Because of course they do. Uh, because, duh. <laughs> Hold on a second. Yeah, that was warranted. If you didn't see that coming, I don't know what to tell you. That is one of the most appropriate Favreau salutes I've ever heard. Holy hell. I feel like that should have been under the table, but it could not have been under the table. <laughs> you ever. would have had to break through the table. I'm not Neil Pert. I can't do like weird five stroke <laughs> rolls or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. Wow. I mean, I get it. <laughs> Teen movie. Wow. This would have been like the most appropriate thing of like, I wish John Hughes had made not another teen movie in the most right, literal right. sense. Oh, what is this? Is this like a classic 80s comedy or is this a sequel, a directed DVD sequel of American Pie? That came earlier. That came 15 years <laughs> earlier. You choose. What, what is this? After... Brian, I don't think we like this movie. It doesn't feel like it, does it? <laughs> it happens. Sorry, folks. Yeah. I know this one. It felt like a good one going in. It feels like a bad like, one coming like out. Last week, I was like, oh, cool. That'll be light, breezy, easy. And now I'm like, oh, I need to bathe in bleach. Disgusting. Don't drink it. That's what the president told you to do. Right. Don't do it. Right. Don't do it. I'm just afraid that my hair's going to look like Sean's when I'm done. <laughs> you know, he styles it for podcasts and audio no, medium. No, he wakes up like that. Could just say that he has he has a job that he needs to go to and he needs to look professional. It's like a built-in excuse But right he chooses there. to say he wakes up like that instead. Yeah, dude, I woke up like this. Let's go, boys. He did. And that's he's talking to his hair follicles whenever he says it. <laughs> so after everything settles in the house, it seems to have worked. But the sexy figure standing in the doorway isn't a new Lisa. It's just Lisa. Same old Lisa. And she scolds them for misuse of magic to impress their tormentors. But does she? 
She's like, hey. No, because she does scold them and she hits like this really emotional point that's supposed to be the emotional point of this movie of, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, this is now this works. Just be yourselves. Yeah. Stop trying to. Stop trying to impress Cater everybody to other people. And, and give them things and that you think and, they want. And then she goes on and says, besides, you forgot one thing. <laughs> and they go, oh, took it up to the doll. She goes, the doll. The doll. It's everything that you just said that made this scene work emotionally. You just you, you were like, said, fuck it. Hey, let me just hit the backspace key right here and then type in, actually. <laughs> so the live electrodes are just kind of lying on top of a magazine with a Pershing II medium-range ballistic missile on the cover. It's a giant missile. Giant missile. So naturally, a real giant missile comes bursting through the floor. So this is like a, a pretty complicated shot. Right here, where, where this I would say. giant missile comes through the, the yeah. floorboards. Well, they only, only had one go at it, and Anthony Michael Hall farted in the middle of it, so none of the actors could focus. What and, a professional. Um, Speaking of professionals, if you want to carry on with, with farting and poop and all that stuff. Just, um, so the scene es- was estimated to cost around $100,000 to shoot. That's expensive. And so that's a very expensive <laughs> fart. What happened was they had to redo the shot in reverse. So they had to pull it down and then collapse everything. And then, so like just super complicated because this guy couldn't hold in a fart. So Anthony Michael Hall's gastrointestinal system cost this movie $100,000 of its only seventy-five or $7.5 million budget. Yep. That's incredible. That's, I mean, <laughs> I feel like if you're mad about a pay dispute, that's the way to take it out on the- Would you say the that that is the most expensive fart in the world? Or do you think there's other farts that have, I have cost say, more? I want to say- $100,000 is nothing to sniff at. <laughs> I hope there's more expensive farts, but if there's not, this one is- I'm okay with it. Folks, if you know of a more expensive fart- Please, send us an email, katepodcasters at gmail.com. Or on Facebook. We want to know about the yeah. most expensive fart you know about. This is what this movie has done to us. This, yep, here it is. <laughs> this broken this far. We've but also, it. on set- if you want to talk about fart and poop and yada, yada, yada. Robert Downey Jr., being the, the professional that he was at this time, there uh, he, he pooped in someone else's trailer as a joke. Yep. And it did not go over well. What? Why not? I don't know. That's so weird that, that people wouldn't just give that a giggle and move on with their life. Actors are very sensitive people. Yeah. They get in touch with their emotions in a way that us normal peasants can't understand. The, the best part about that is, I guess... Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Russell have been joking the entire production about pooping in people's trailers. So it was obvious who did it as yes. soon as it happened. And to this day, Robert Downey Jr. still denies it. Robert Downey Jr. definitely pooped in someone else's trailer 100%. as a hundred percent. He was him. And uh eh, what can you do? It didn't cost a hundred grand. No, it didn't. So that gastrointestinal movement, that BI didn't didn't cost nearly as much as <laughs> as anything like all. I like it. That's good. Expensive butt stuff. You just got to pay extra for that. Hundred grand though. That's that's a good. That's good butt stuff. <laughs> Should be good butt stuff. This movie, man, is it's, making us go to weird it's places. Done a weird thing to us, and I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like it. Hey, man, anybody can just go down to the corner store and get a hundred grand and and do butt stuff with it. Yep, that's a candy bar joke. Yep, that's true. That's how uh, this, Charlie I, and the Chocolate Factory became a thing, or Willy Wonka, whichever well, one came first. Well, gross. Yes. I can't even be that mad. This I made movie's the joke really first. just killing me right now. <laughs> yeah, the, it's done weird things to us. Our heads are are screwed on wrong now. So Lisa decides that the boys need a challenge to boost their confidence, and she conjures a gang of mutant bikers to invade the party. Right. And the mutant bikers that show up are Vernon Wells, yes, who is more or less reprising his role from 
a Mad Max film. Yeah, I think Mad Max 2. I think so. And Michael Berryman, who stars in The Hills Have Eyes, the original. Oh. As well as in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, for those highbrow folk. And he's really interesting because he suffers from hypohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia. Okay. So he doesn't have any sweat glands, hair, fingernails, or teeth. And when you huh. look at his face, you go, I've seen you before. It's one of those people where you just, he's instantly recognizable. Yeah. And the performance he puts on this thing is amazing. He looks like a hairless Woody Harrelson. That's exactly it. If Woody Harrelson had sex with Sloth from the Goonies, that is Michael Berryman. Wow. Yeah. It's like, it's one of those, like, he has such an iconic look, but his performances are always dead on. Oh, yeah. He's an amazing he's actor. He's hysterical he's in this movie. Fin- he's, but so is Vernon Wells. They're both hysterical. He might in this be movie. the best actor in this movie. Yes. I completely agree, actually. Because bikers, mutant bikers, we're mutant here. bikers. Uh, they're just motorcycling around the party. Right. And, and causing chaos. And then Elon comes out. Elon, he's playing the Wyatt boy who owns this mansion. He's like, oh, my God, there's motorcycles in my house. And it's like, no it's fucking like your house shit. is already we, ruined, dude. We know because we're all in this house with you. Yeah. There's no way anyone missed this. So naturally, they hide in the closet. And then I like how the one mutant punches through the wall and pulls both of them out of the closet. Yeah. And then they have to stand up and they're like, fuck it, we'll die. Whatever. It's Instead not even of thinking well, no. that Mary Pussins over here is the one who conjured all this up to make them feel good about themselves, because this scenario is just insane. Of course, it's absolutely. Why would these mutant bikers show up? They stand up for it. They stand. They no 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 they take Deb and Hilly hostage. Yeah. That's the whole reason. You, you acted like they just decided so, to stand up out of nowhere. It's because- oh, they took their be- bathroom friends hostage. They took their bathroom friends hostage. I apologize. I forgot that the bathroom gang got separated. Yeah, yeah. No, they had an opportunity for more property, and somebody was trying to take it from them. Problematic. Very much so. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they finally- uh, Basically, Gary pulls out that old squirt gun from earlier, and he pulls it on Vernon Wells- the big bad. The big bad. And and he yells at him until Vernon Wells until is like, goes and leaves. All right, I'm going to go then. I don't want to get shot in the face. And then he's just winging around the party like, ah, I got And everybody's like ducking. It's it's funny. Cause Doesn't Michael Berryman go like, you have a very nice home or something like that? Oh, you know, he's, yeah. He's like, you have a very nice home. I'm sorry. I got to get back to my teaching job. I just, I believe that he's, he's a so teacher. Good. He's so good. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And sadly, that performance was too short and at the end of the movie. Yeah. And then Gary fires the gun by accident. And it's, and it's a, real a real gun, gun now. So... So that's the end of the movie, now that they've got their self-esteem. It sure seems like it should Scott be. Scott has gained the power of self-esteem. <laughs> Scott, exactly. Um, Deb and Hilly obviously fall in love with them on the spot because they save their because lives. Because they have fear boners, lady fear boners. Lady fear boners always make you fall in love immediately. So the next morning, they wake up in bed with their respective nerds. Right, and we get a super bad scene here. Chet discovers... of Oh, you're right. That happens before. Oh, God. Chet comes home. It won't end. This movie won't end. No, 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 no. You think that's the end, but there's still so much more. There's so much more. Chet is, he comes home because he was gone for a reason. We never know why, but he's back. He went hunting because he shows up with a giant bird that he's holding. So he he was out for a day and a half because he needed to catch a duck. A single bird. He comes in, the house is in disarray. There's a missile protruding through the entire blue kitchen, and his catatonic grandparents are in the cupboard. Right. He has questions. As you should. The way he goes about getting answers is weird, though, because he just kind of pulls a gun on his 
brother's friend and the girl in bed with I him. I like how he's knocking him in the head with the gun, too. Just keeps whacking him in the head with the gun. <laughs> uh, phenomenal. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. He's a treasure. Just great. So the boys end up telling him everything, but he's like, that's insane. There's no way any of that happened. There's a missile popping up through this home. Your how entire do you kitchen turned anything? blue in no time. Why would you question it? But then Lisa's like, boys, just bring the girls home. Leave me with Chet. I'll sort this out. <laughs> I got magic powers. I'll hit him with my carpet bag, Mary Pussins, or whatever. Ugh, stop that. I don't like Mary Pussins. I don't know what to tell you. Tell me a different name. Okay. <laughs> it's Mary Pussins. Yeah, that's what I think. I, I got say. nothing. Yeah. I have nothing else. That's what she is. It's a horny Mary Poppins. Yeah. Yeah, but every time you say it, you're taking the air out of my IMDb trivia fact. <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> This movie took the air out of my life because I thought this was going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, me too. We should say, at this point, now that we're so deep into this movie at the end, the climax, if you if there is one. I feel like we, we're past the climax now. This we're... is a comic book movie. Yeah. It is not a superhero film. This is... this. Uh, Joe Silver produced this thing. He ended up buying the rights for EC Comics titles and Weird Science is one of them, and they just used the title. And that's how that makes this a comic book movie. Well, it's that also almost it. Also, issue five has a story that's similar. Right. Of I fucked a 15 year old and I'm an older lady. I, I think it's about nerds making a, a robotic woman. But, there it is. But yeah, it's basically it's that. Thing. Yeah. So on the way to drop off the girls. Mary Pussins. There's there's like a whole Ferrari chase scene. Because, because it wouldn't be a John Hughes movie without a Ferrari. I just feel like, hey, we wound Paris up. Bueller, we wound up like. Everything in the movie. We're we're coming down now. Let's throw in a chase scene just so the pacing's really off. They pull off just one of those quick like handbrake U-turns and then they're off and that's yeah. the end. There's one good gag in there though, where Gary drives past this one couple in a car and the mom that it was turns Gary. out it's Gary and the dad's like, Who, who is, is Gary? <laughs> the best. She's gag trying to convince him who Gary is, his own son. It's very good. Fine. Yeah. Carry um, on. Please put me out of my misery, damn it. Wyatt proclaims his love for Hilly. Before being sprayed by her parents' lawn sprinklers. I thought it was supposed to be an adorable moment, and it turned out to be that that is a moment that'll never work out for you, Wyatt. No. That is not how any of this works. Good job. Both girls reciprocate their feelings to the weird boys that they just met the night before in the bathroom. Because John Hughes. If you're a high schooler listening to this, take a girl into the bathroom with your buds. Watch your friend take a shit, and and then wait for girls to come in as a twosome. Right. Guaranteed. Guaranteed every time. Guaranteed every time. Only though- if mutant bikers show up and then you defend their honor. Right. It's like the Contra code with just, a, it's a little more complicated. Only slightly. Yeah. There has to be more happenstance yeah. for it to work out. But it's got to be a really gnarly shit and even gnarlier mutant bikers. Correct. Exactly. Wear a bra on your head, it can't hurt. So when they get back home, Chet has been transformed into like a giant talking pile of shit slash frog monster. He's a poop monster. He's a poop monster. With a flat top. With a flat top. <laughs> Who eats flies with his long tongue, and he's got webbed feet for yep. reasons. Reasons. He apologizes to Wyatt now for his behavior, yeah. and and Lisa assures him that he'll be back to normal eventually, I think. In a half hour. A half hour, right. Shortest half hour I've ever seen. Well, the boys struggle to tell Lisa that they have girlfriends now, so they don't need her, because, you know. Property. We have new toys. We don't need you. Oh, boy. So she realizes that her work is done. She kisses them both, and, and then- dematerializes and vanishes right. into She gives the him ether. a spoonful of sugar because now the horniness <laughs> is down. Yeah, exactly. The horniness is down. The horniness is down. And then she- Just a spoonful of, of statutory rape sugar she opens, makes the horniness go down. <laughs> <laughs> she, 
She opens up her umbrella and disappears into the bathroom. Supercalifragilistic. XBL lawsuit. That's how this one should have ended. <laughs> Statutory. <laughs> I couldn't keep going. This. As Lisa is leaving, the house magically transforms back to normal like she's the cat in the fucking hat. <laughs> and then Chet turns back to normal just as his parents are returning home, unaware that anything bad has happened at all. But they seem very suspicious. I like to have that like one table that slides into place. At the as they're opening the door. door. Yeah. It's a nice touch. A good I touch. always appreciate those things. Yeah, that's always fun. I, you never find out what happens to the grandparents, though. They are dead, probably. I feel they're like John Hughes level dead. I feel like they get thawed out, and then they're like, "Tell them this wild story," and now all of a sudden the parents think they have dementia, and then they get put in a home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should have saved this for a post credit. Damn it. Uh, then we we cut to Sherman High. There's a gym class full of sweaty, pimply, adolescent, horny boys waiting for class to begin, and they're met by a beautiful, fit coach in spandex. And oh my god, of course it's Lisa. Uh, she tells the class to drop and give her 20, and they all faint. Right. And that's because the movie. Because it is the movie, and that heartfelt moment of Just Be Yourself, where Lisa went off into the ether or the Matrix or whatever happened to her, yeah. is now just completely erased. The whole point of this movie is completely erased by her coming back. Oh, well, no. Maybe she needs to make all of these boys themselves Horny? now, too. She's going to just slay. That's all she wants to do. Ugh. This is how Slayer got their name because of horror. <laughs> now she's a teacher. It came full circle. That is Weird Science from 1985, directed by John. You're a fucking pervert, Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 So what are your thoughts after talking about this thing, this film that is so revered by so many people? Is yeah, it? It is. It's kind of held up there on a I know pedestal. It's, it's usually considered one of John Hughes' lesser movies, though. It is, but but he's it, only really directed eight. So he has only directed eight. But he's written a shitload. It's that's funny true. how this is the movie that's not considered part of the Shermer trilogy, if you will, because yeah, you had Sixteen Candles, yeah, you had Breakfast Club, yeah, you had Ferris Bueller. Yeah. this is tucked in there between. It's before Ferris Bueller. It kind of gets overlooked. Yeah, well, this is the kind of stuff that happens at, at Shermer that we don't like to talk about. John Hughes is interesting, okay. to, to put it really, really lightly, because he did shape the 80s and the 90s in terms of film, in terms of his writing, sure, in terms of his comedy, what National Lampoon did when, when he was writing Vacation and stuff like that. It set a certain tone for what comedy should be, like family comedies that are still a bit raunchy. It's kind of like what John Landis did with Animal House, something like that. Yeah. That's not a family comedy, but it's a whole brand of comedy that was an offshoot of what was written. Yeah. What John Hughes does, and he does it well most of the time. Let's, well, does he though? <laughs> He's very good at writing teen stories, coming of age stories in different ways. Yeah. And I always found that weird how you have this adult man who's writing all these teen young adult stories. For sure. But he captures what it is to be the 1980s so well that I feel like everything gets a little overlooked. He's legitimately writing for the time. Oh, absolutely. We're living in a time now where it's tricky to walk this tightrope because the Me Too movement is such an important thing. Yeah. But cancel culture, I don't fully agree with personally. I think that there are some things that definitely need to be canceled. Yeah. Like Confederate statues and whatnot. People argue that, like, I'm going to get political for a hot second. People <laughs> argue that those are the types of things that erase American history. And they sort of are. Sort of. But at the same time. Those are some of the most un-American things because they were fighting literally what was America. Against America, yeah. <laughs> but with John Hughes, weird enough to say, 
everything about all of his stories and what he represents in these stories and all these writings, he should be canceled, according to most of these people. Yeah. Because he is showing extremely perverted things with guys. Even when you look in like The Breakfast Club, how you have Judd Nelson reaching up the skirt of Molly Ringwald oh, and sexually definitely. harassing her that entire film yeah. until she gives in. In yeah. this, you have these teenagers who create a walking sex doll for the most part. Basically. But they scan a picture of Einstein. Great. So she's smart. <laughs> Great. He he speaks down to women so much that it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. But we're not canceling him. I mean. And why aren't we canceling him? I think it's because he's already dead. I don't think that matters too much because all those Confederate folks are also pretty dead. That's true. Well, And it's funny you say that because a lot of people will still reference John Hughes as like, oh, I'm trying to be the John Hughes of the 2010s or like. Exactly. There's, there's I feel like that's like, kind of what like Seth Rogen was trying oh, to do. This is like a in that John whole time Hughes period of where they style had the Brat movie. Pack, if you or not the Brat. This was the Brat Pack. Yeah. This is kind of the new thing. Right. The Pop Pack or whatever it was. Sure. <laughs> it just it fascinates me how John Hughes, everything about it says that he should get canceled, but he's not. It feels like he's one of the most bulletproof directors that there is, where he could put all this teen horniness into these films and it's okay because it actually captures this time period and it actually captures possibly what teen adolescence is it's really a, a yeah, weird spot to land in it is and it's uncomfortable but i i get it like it's that's what it was like in the 80s i'm not gonna say it was about like if you're a teen boy in the 80s you fucked everything that walked that's not what i'm saying no no no, no, no. but what I, yeah what i'm saying is that i think john hughes captured the time so well that it's almost impossible to turn down these stories that he's putting together right because yeah his stories are important where they are coming of age stories yeah there's a lot of things where like the breakfast club is a groundbreaking film ferris bueller is a groundbreaking film absolutely this is not no nope. not even close nope. to it well he wrote this one in two days he so in, in you could tell <laughs> it always just blew my mind how when we talk about these people who like woody allen gets destroyed but also he mm -hmm. married and fucked his kind of adopted daughter yeah <laughs> it's That's hard to separate the art from the actual person but john hughes has always been bulletproof it's interesting you're not wrong i don't have an answer why is it nostalgia glasses it's is possibly it... it's possibly nostalgia glasses it could be that it was done in earnest that it wasn't meant to be malicious it That's wasn't true. meant to be it was it was meant to be done for the sake of comedy right and i think that's why it gets a pass and it's understood for that now, yeah. this isn't real this is an adult writing down to a young adult crowd, and that makes it okay. But it's, does it? it, 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 it <laughs> well, that's the question we ask now in 2020: is does it? Right. And how many looks to take this on a tootsie pop? World may never know. The world may never know. That's where I we know, kind of stand. I felt it. uncomfortable watching this movie. I did too, and I get kind of the rapey feeling from Breakfast Club. And yeah. I, I don't get it from Ferris Bueller as no. much, even though I mean the casual racism kind of there in Ferris Bueller. Yeah. And Sixteen Candles, I don't remember. I've seen it once. Also, uh, it's. Is it rapey? Pretty rapey. Okay. I think that's the takeaway I want people to take from this movie is this is not a good movie. Weird Science is not a good movie. No. If you like it. That's fine. Fine. Enjoy it. You like what you like. That's fine. We get it. You grew up in the 80s. Or you didn't and you watched <laughs> it and you like and things connected with you. You thought it was a good premise because it is a good premise when you think about it. Just they're too young to make this story work today. Yeah. Maybe if they had made a... Uh, uh somebody their own age that would land but would it's, it's funny because it's like a revisionist thing of how should we look at this how should we look at these types of movies right is this a sign of the times or is it 
just a sign of the problems of the times, or is it? It's hard to say. Who are we to say? Right. I can tell you someone who liked this movie, though. Oh? His name is Roger Ebert. Okay. He gave this three out of four stars. Wow. He says that weird science combines two great traditions in popular entertainment. Racism and sexism. Close. Inflamed male teenage fantasies. Okay. And Frankenstein's monsters. <laughs> then it crosses them with a new myth. That of the teenage computer geniuses who lock themselves in their bedrooms, hunched over the computer keyboards, and write programs that can change the universe. Fair. In the 80s, I can see that being like a- A new thing. Yeah. A home computer? What? What? This kid's rich. He goes on to say, Hughes' earlier teenage films depended mostly on character and dialogue, which was fine. This one (laughs) has a lot of special effects, including some reverse photography that plays tricks with time. But the center of the film is the simple, almost elementary- insight that fantasies can be hazardous. You've got to be careful what you ask for because you might get it. Mm. He closes saying Kelly LeBrock is wonderful as the fantasy woman because she plays the character not for sex, (laughs) but for warmth and almost motherly affection for these two boys. Motherly affection. Oh, I wish we had the ginger skull here and his just vast porn site knowledge. Right. Of how many people would love that. That's geez. motherly he goes on to say quote all you have to do is command me end quote she says at one point you created me you are my master it could be soft porn but the way she says it her voice has a wink does it i don't know i don't i, I don't know i didn't hear i don't a wink. know i don't know i don't know oh ebert see now siskel had a huge problem with this movie i would imagine he did siskel is kind of like my he's like guiding light i actually agree with siskel a lot more than i do with ebert yeah but Ebert's more interesting. Ebert is fascinating. <laughs> and he's funny a lot of it's the time. It's funny because a lot of people, whenever they look at film criticism, I feel like they don't understand the point of a film critic. Mm-hmm. There are film critics that you relate to. And those are the ones, whenever you read a film review, that you trust their judgment on. And right. those are the ones you want to see. I personally relate to Vincent Canby quite a bit. New York Times way back in the day. Okay. So if he, older movies, whenever I see him writing, I'm like, okay, now I'm actually a little curious. Huh. Roger Ebert, I go real 50-50 on because he is so fascinating. I've, I've disagreed with him a lot. So I've agreed with him a lot. Yeah. But he has such a human quality of, I like this, but it's ridiculous. And that's what I like about Roger Ebert. I do like is that. He is that so he, down he to He finds earth. the fun in things. He can be a level of pretentious, but he can also just be your everyman. Right. He's right. amazing. Well, I'm glad we put some good, in, some good words in for Raj because uh, he's going to be showing up soon. When? Not this week. Oh, thank God. You had me legit worried there. You want some good news, though? I would love some good news. No monsters. None? Amazon.com. This thing got a 4.7 out of 5. A tie. There's nothing. Uh, the people who didn't like it said there were people from more like where we are now time-wise saying yeah. this is gross. Okay, that's and good. And that's really it. That's comforting and to know. And the people who ordered this DVD back in like the, I don't know, like 2010 or something like that. Like 2007. It, it didn't work. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So let's give this thing a super cool. stuff score. Did this have a Rotten Tomato score? Episode 90. You think I remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've only read 89 of them. You're, might, you're right. It might take like 10 more. <laughs> How about on Rotten Tomatoes, though, Brian? What do you think you got? 1 to 100. Uh, 64. 58. Okay. Audience score 69. Nice. All right. Nice. Appropriate. Give me some super stuff, bud. Let me give you a super stuff score. But first, this is an actual IMDb trivia fact, and I need to know. I'm not adding anything to this one. I'm reading it as is. Verbatim. Verbatim. All right. Like, there's no extra thought at the end. I'm still reading. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) In the John Hughes documentary, Don't You Forget About Me, 
Kelly LeBrock describes her character Lisa as Mary Poppins with breasts. This is ironic because Mary Poppins has breasts. All right. So that is officially my new favorite <laughs> trivia fact. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> That's incredible. In case you weren't aware of the irony, Mary Poppins does in fact have breasts. So does that make Kelly LeBrock a dum-dum for saying that? Or just kind of, you know, breasts not in the anatomical way, breasts in the John Hughes. Breasts in the John Hughes way. Right. I, I think I think she was right in saying it the way she did. I think it's this is on the IMDB How trivia. How cool would have been if she said Mary Pussins? How cool would that have been? That would have been so weird, and I would have questioned if you had read it ahead of time or not. Never do. You know that. <laughs> I stay away from the IMDB trivia because that's your baby. That's my wheelhouse. Just like you stay away from the Amazon.com. I sure do. Because it's and I a stay horrible, away from dark place. Any kind of critic review whatsoever. All let's, terrible places. Let's give it a super stuff score. Please. Story and motivation. I kind of like the story. The story is not <laughs> I like bad. I like the story quite a bit. I think it's fun that you have these two guys who are just bored out of sleepover and want to create life. And yeah. They create they're a girl also sexually and frustrated and right. they're like- I want to make a simulation so I can practice with chicks. I'm going to go with a one. I think that's fair. I think it's a very, very good story. It's a story. sound premise. Yep. Hero. Heroes. I, it's going to be heroes. It's yeah. the, the these two gents. It's And they are not good. Gary and Wyatt and who? They boy. never, well, they do admit to her being property, don't they? They do. I want to go, I want to go a, a non-problematic zero. I, okay. Because I don't think it's a negative. No. Because they do have their arc and they do. They do the learn end, a lesson. But they're also terrible, terrible people. They're they're just the worst. Villains. Who? Who who? I don't know. Is it is it Robert Downey Jr.? I don't think it is. I don't think there really is a villain here. Is I don't, it I think it's the mutant bikers? They're barely in the movie. It could be angst. Teen angst, John Hughes style. Teen angst. I'm still gonna go zero. Popularity is let's do a zero it's call a zero. it a day. Because if villain. we can't find one, the villain what's the is point being of? popular. Parents. Everyone's alive. Everyone's alive, everyone's great. Zero. Female characters. This is the one I was worried about. Negative two? I think it's Warren. No, I'm going to go negative one. Okay. Because I understand the point of her. The point of Mary Pussins is to get them to a certain point, to get them to realize, and she's pushing towards that the whole time, of yeah. be who you are. Yeah. You don't need to be anyone else. Also, I'm your property. And that's the problem. Also, I'm your property. Oh, well, the thing about her being all... She Be- makes out with a child. It's a negative two. What am I even yeah. saying yeah. right now? But there's an interesting thing where you say she's always pushing them to be who they are, but she's also always telling Wyatt, hey, stand up to your brother, stand up to your brother. He never does the entire movie. Never happens. Never she will. solves the problem for him with his brother. Right. Turns into a poop monster. Negative two. Negative two. Setting. Sure, Illinois. Sure. It's historic in film. It's, it it's weirdly just is. Historic because of I'm gonna go the other movies. One. I think that's that's fine. Style and tone. It's so 80s. Very it's 80s. insanely 80s. Is that a style? Or it was is weird because just... there was a part where in, in this, the escalator scene, kids always on the escalator, kids. and how Kelly LeBrock passes Robert Downey Jr. and the other guy, and they look at her like she's the hottest thing in the world, and I'm looking at her like she just threw on random clothes and yep. called it a day. Yep. <laughs> 80s hot is weird to me. 80s hot is very bizarre. I'm like, I can't even tell where her hair ends and her dress begins. I'm going to go one because weird science. Weird science indeed. This is so 80s. It's crazy. It's, it's is it so 80s because it's supposed to be so 80s, or is it so 80s because it was made in the 80s? Both. I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Music. Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. We got Eddie, D- Daniel Dan- fucking Elfman. Daniel fucking Elfman. He's not, he's not a single Daniel Elfman. Daniel fucking Elfman. No, it is he's, uh, Daniel and the fucking Elfman. I want to go one. I love it. 
I love I it love, so much. I love the theme song. The rest of the music, I don't even remember. Who cares? Ira Newborn, who has done a bunch, I mean, all of John Hughes movies. Sure. And like Ace Ventura and Basketball and, you know. Fine. Naked Gun. He does comedies. He does comedies. Let's go with a one. One because, because Daniel, Daniel fucking, fucking Daniel and the fucking Elfman. One-liners. There's a few really good ones in this. There sure are. I like the line at the beginning when they get the inspiration to create the woman from watching Frankenstein. Yeah. And Gary says, I want to make it like Frankenstein, but cuter. <laughs> I got a good laugh out of that. Uh, you couldn't get laid in the morgue. That's another really good line. That is good. There's a line towards the end where Lisa confronts Chet and she says, why do you have to be such a wanker? Because she's English. And he says, because I get off on it. That, that is, oh my God. <laughs> and Phil Paxton delivers so well. I want to go point five. I think point five is appropriate because- There are some really good ones. There's a great line in this thing, and it might be my favorite of the whole movie, where the grandfather goes, I don't stand for baloney. And the grandmother goes, that's correct. He doesn't stand at all for any baloney. <laughs> <laughs> like just yelling about baloney. <laughs> I don't know why it landed with me. I'll go point five. Point five. And impact on the genre. It's not included in the John Hughes trilogy. Right. And it, and it should be. By all place. rights, yeah. should be, because Shermer, Illinois. I think that this, and actually, this is the movie that broke up Anthony Michael Hall and John Hughes. Well, how about that? I'm going to go zero. I don't think there is an impact from this movie at all. I agree. Elon Mitchell Smith went on to become a med- medieval English teacher, <laughs> medieval English professor, because this just didn't pan out at all. Bill Paxton was already was, a thing. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is, this isn't even him yet. No, no, he still doesn't know how to act yet. Correct. He's way too young to, yeah. Not even close. I'm going to go with a, a zero. A straight up zero. That's going to give Weird Science a total score of one and a half. Too high. <laughs> That's way too high. That's, I, it's appropriate. I don't know. I thought this movie was a chore. It it I'm, didn't feel like a chore. It just, I felt like I had to shower when no, it was over. Yeah, but I, I like saying that films are a cool However, many minutes. This should have been a cool 94 minutes. This is a it should long. Have been. It is a long 94, 94 minutes. You're right. Uh, especially um, that opening scene when they're building her was about five minutes too long. I didn't mind that. The it ending I minded forever. quite a bit. That oh, that, was it never ended. Eternal. It still might not have ended. There was I'm still a sure. whole chase scene after the movie was That's over. That's right. Of course. Uh, weird science. Weird we science. It. It's a movie. What are we talking about next week? Next week. We're going to finish off another Spider-Man. Oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with, you know, Jamie Foxx and all of that fun stuff. I've seen it. I don't remember a second of it. I think I've seen it twice, and I also don't remember. That's got the Gwen Stacy scene, doesn't any it? Any of it. It sure does. Okay. We're going back dark, buddy. All right. Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's going to be amazing. Bring Andrew Garfield back. Two. That's just what we need right now. <laughs> Bring him a stone back. That's Bring what we need right it. now. That is what we need. You know, lean into the, the tone of this episode. Don't ever. Don't. Do not. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. You can like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The links for those are on our website, katepodcasters.com. And check out our Patreon, where we're doing non-super movies every month. And we're also throwing in some Batman animation and the pull list. Sprinkling those in. Sprinkling them in, all willy-nilly. And probably some... Blurt and turny whenever we get some some bracket suggestions from from you fine listeners. It's not a bracket. It doesn't have to even be super related. Yeah. And Send you, in whatever you want. You can email anything you want to katepodcasters at gmail.com and it'll go right to my phone. Lucky me. What a guy. I don't have to deal with that stuff at all. It's <laughs> great. 
So I guess we're going to see you next week for The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Same pod time. Same pod weird science. That is weird science. Sure is. What do you think happens post-credits? I think we cut to Professor Elon Mitchell Smith just finishing up a medieval studies class, medieval studies 101. He's packing up his bag and he, he goes over to the teacher's lounge and he sits down and across from him is Michael Berryman. He's like, yeah, <laughs> just got through Mutant Biker 101. Oh, God. <laughs> Dave, what do you think happens? What I think happens is that we go back to the mall scene okay. in this film. Yeah. This is kind of like a like a maybe a, a gag reel, if you will. And you see Lisa, Kelly LeBrock, talking to an elderly woman. <laughs> and she's holding up a pair of lace panties. And she says, if you were a 15-year-old boy, would this turn you on? And the old lady tells her to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not postcard. That actually happened that, in, the, that was... in this in this feature film. That happened. That All right. So- let me try another one. Oh, Let me okay. try another one for you. It's another like, kind of gag reel, if you will. So we're at Gary's parents' house, and Kelly LeBrock and, and Anthony Michael are sitting on the couch, and they're trying to tell Gary's parents, oh, we're going to a party, yada, yada. And Gary's dad asks, like, oh, what's going to be there? And she says, sex, drugs, rock and roll, chips, dips, chains, and whips. And the dad starts to get really upset about it. He's like, ah! Yeah, because he's a 15-year-old boy. And she, oh, that actually happened in this movie, that too. That was in the movie, too. Yeah. Oh, shit. You're, hey, you're over th- too. Yeah, uh, Brian. This movie's really fucking creepy. Yeah, it is. <laughs>